in less than a week, I just packed my bags and, and, and flew down there. And uh, him and a couple of guys from the team picked me up at the airport. And um, yeah, that's that's kind of how the story goes with, with me moving moving to Norway for the first time was in 2010 is because of this uh, crazy uh, Norwegian guy that, that I met at a Tony Robbins event. Aloha, my beautiful friends. My name is Krista Ralaksmidetten, coming to you from beautiful San Diego, California. And I welcome you once again to our Abundance in Action podcast, where we believe that each one of us, we have a treasure box inside. And once we start to open this treasure box and find all our talents and put them into works, we can start to manifest our life and our dreams on our terms. And today is a very, very special day because I have on the other side a very special man. I could call you also a king because I feel you have a king energy. And um, he is Ryan uh, Mangano from Canada. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Crystal. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah. And um, I always also like to uh, kind of mention because so many times the people and um, guests of the podcast are somehow my personal connections. Um, I also like to share like how I found you uh, out of this big world. Right <laughs> and, on. Go ahead. Yeah. And as we, um, uh, as I was uh, jumping into WildFit and figuring also like, oh, maybe wildweight coaching would be uh, something for me, like to uh, jump into their certification program. Then um, there is a discovery call you can set up. And um, I happen to be your very first discovery call for this uh, season. That's right. Yeah, the first one. (laughs) Yeah. And then after that, you had like 80 more. Yep. Yep. That's right. I had, I think a total of 81 discovery calls. So I was pretty busy for a couple of weeks. It was like nonstop calls and for a few days. So it was, it was kind of grueling, but, um, you definitely set the tone. It was a great first call and, and it, you know, the rest of them, the the next 80 went really well. So thank God you're such a a great person to to talk to on the first one. Maybe if you were, uh, not so great, um, (laughs) might have uh started off pretty negatively who knows yeah Yeah. so um, i'm really glad i could help with setting the tone and um yeah um influence that in positive way and um as we started to prepare for this podcast i was so amazed when you started to send me like a little summary of what you have done and where you have been and so much and um, we'll get back to this connection to norway because you are living right now in norway and I lived seven years in Norway too. So uh, that's really yep. also exciting for me um, to um, dive into that. But uh, before we go in, I also wanted to uh, shortly give a little overview of uh, what you have managed so far so that people can kind of uh, connect and position themselves. Like, who are we having here today? So you are a Canadian. And you had no idea where where to next uh, your next step is after you graduated Toronto University. You are a hockey player, a gym team member um, who has gone through two knee surgeries for now, 
And finally, you ended up to become a key member of the sales team for Canada's largest business and leadership personal development company, who presented multi-speakers for thousands of people at the one-day event, like Sir Richard Branson, President Bill Clinton, all, all, all of the speakers of The Secret, Tony Robbins, and many others. So from big corporate deals to more personal one-to-one sales calls, Ryan became the top salesperson for the Canadian Unleash the Power events for Tony Robbins for two and a half years, while bringing in millions of dollars of sales to the company. And during the Tony Robbins Business Mastery Program in Las Vegas, which you participated, you met a new contact from Norway, who eventually invited you to start um, development uh, life, a self-development live event company in Norway. So you left to Norway with one suitcase, a passport, and no working visa. You worked through a lot of rejection, rejection as not only was the language the challenge, but self-development live events had a negative connotation in the Norwegian culture at that time. So Scandinavian events um, company created um, Oslo leadership event. And just before he flew back to Canada, he met a Norwegian girl who now he uh, connected with, um, but he had to return to Toronto to help his dad to save the bar, Linsmore Tavern. He had been running for a while. um, And this one is actually established in 1934. And from no background in hospitality business, Ryan figured out by trial and error what people would like and need and turn it from the sinking ship to a local destination place in Toronto with seven, five to seven bands performing weekly as one of the most popular live music bars in the area. Later, the Norwegian girl came to live with Ryan in Toronto, but to um, uh, return to Norway shortly after. And Ryan figured out a way to run the tavern remotely and moved to Norway with her in 2015. And later, Ryan started to work for the company Elevate, organizing an event for Eric and Meads called Master the Stage Effect. And later, he continued to work with Eric's Inception Marketing Live events in 2007, when Eric started to partner with Mind Valley to run Wildfit Challenge and Speaking Academy uh, program. And later, Business Freedom and Speaker Nation, as well as Wildfit, became the main programs for Ryan to sell for Eric. By now, he has worked close to 40 live events for Eric and in 10 different countries. And during the pandemic, Eric had to change his business model more to online version. And and that uh, created an opportunity for Ryan to start to do discovery calls, which he has now done over 1,000 and can now teach also uh, how to do that for others. He's also a father to a two-year son, William, and the little girl on its way this summer. He values quality time with family, weight training, running, playing, and watching sports. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yes, yeah. thank you for such a great introduction. It sounds like you, you know you did some good research on me, and uh, I really appreciate that. that that's uh, very nice of you to say all those things. Yeah, and uh, so many times I also ask people, uh, can you send me some extra links or videos and stuff? So came out, there is not much like out there about you. So are you a secret agent? <laughs> I've, you know what, just my role, whether it's uh, with the bar and also with, with, I've always kind of been the background. I like kind of being behind the scenes and 
and and and putting the work uh, in it, you know, behind the scenes and 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 setting up these events. So I, I try not to make it about myself. I, I try to make it about you know whatever program we're putting on and 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 the clients that are, that are going to be joining or with uh, with my bar. Um, it was all about the bands and and getting the bands uh, out on the stage and promoting them. So yeah. It's um I think there's special. one there's one video of me doing an interview. Yeah, so, I found one. Yeah. Well, there's one, yeah. But yeah. that was a that was back in 2013, I think. So it was a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. So here we can uh, fix it and have more about yeah. you so people can uh, get to know you more. <laughs> yeah, sure. Let's let's do it. It's time to yeah. time to kind of change that a bit and, and put myself out there a little more and, and yeah. tell my story. So thank you yeah. for giving me this platform. Yeah. So how did um, Canadian end up in uh, Norway? Can you go a little deeper into that story? Uh, we heard a little bit that there was a girl involved, but uh, prior to that, you actually also, you you kind of got the call. Someone was um, giving you an opportunity to start something from scratch and completely new. And that's quite brave. I mean, I know myself when I uh, ended up in Norway, I was like, oh, they speak English. It will be no problem. Uh, but then as I was going from one social gathering to another, I felt like invisible person because no one really wanted to speak English. And, you know, the way I was like really forcing myself to get more into Norwegian, I became a member of a gospel choir. I was uh, oh. living close to Stavanger. And then I asked everyone in that choir, please speak, speak like Norwegian with me. And yeah. um, they took it seriously. So after four months, I actually started to like construct sentences in Norwegian. And um, I, I couldn't get into any of the classes because all the classes were fully booked and uh, sold out for Norwegian. So I started to study with often Posten, you know, I oh, just the took the, yeah. yeah, I took the newspaper <laughs> and I had my like three kilo uh, big heavy dictionary and started to like translate and <laughs> one yeah. one day and one word at the time and half a, half a year later I spoke basically fluent and Norwegian. Wow, so. that's really impressive. I I've been here well since two fifty. 2015 and I'm still struggling to learn the language that's one of my main goals actually in this year was to really uh improve on on my Norwegian as I have a little two-year-old two and a half year old and he's so he understands English but he's speaking a lot of Norwegian and and now you know a lot of words are coming out and I'm not understanding all of them so it's like okay now I got to pick up my pick up the slack and, and and get this uh get this Norwegian language mastered so I can so I can understand what he's saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, back to your question about um, how I ended up in Norway. Yeah, it's an interesting story. And it's, it's, it, it goes back to 2010. Um, I stopped working at the Power Within. That was the Canadian company. Um, that was the biggest event company in Canada. Um, I worked there for about two and a half years. I just finished having my first knee surgery. Um, and I was kind of in those crossroads, like after a job, uh, where I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I was actually talking to, um, Robbins research Institute based out of where you are in San Diego, Tony Robbins company. Um, as I, you know, I worked pretty closely with them for a number of events and I did a lot of sales for, for, for Tony Robbins events in Canada. So they, they knew my work. Um, so I was in talks with them. 
I ended up flying down to Vegas for uh, Tony's very first uh, business uh, business mastery. Yeah, see, I've worked with Eric for so long. I was going to say business freedom mastery program, but it's <laughs> business business mastery pro, business mastery. Yeah, yeah. I so I forget that. Mastery. Was it the yeah? I, I, yeah. I, yeah, it's been so long. I flew down there, and um, I I don't know. I had this feeling that I was just gonna. I didn't know why I was going down there. I wasn't running a business or anything, but I just, I had this feeling that I was going to meet someone or make some sort of connection down there. So I went to the program and it was just in one of the like random, you know, group assignments. Tony's like, get in the group of four and talk about your business. And during that time, like there's probably a thousand people at the event. I get in a random group of four and there's a guy from Norway in that group. And he starts talking about how he's starting his own event company in, in Norway and he, you know, where he wanted to bring in speakers, big, big name speakers. And his goal was to bring Tony Robbins to, to Norway. And so I, you know, I instantly connected with them because I was like, well, I've been doing that for the last couple of years in Canada. I've been selling and working for a company that put on all these big events with big name speakers. And so we hung out over the week. Um, you know, we kept talking about it and he kept picking my brain about stuff. And, um, and, and, and finally, you know, the week's over, the program's done. I fly back to Canada. He flies back to Norway. And, uh, when I get back to Canada, he, he starts, re we, we stay in contact. He's messaging me, uh, quite a bit. And, and, uh, you know, I, I told him I'd help him out and, and everything just by giving him some tips and advice and everything. And he's like, well, why didn't you come down to Norway and, and, and build this business with me? And at that time I was talking to Tony's company, but it wasn't set in stone. Um, but this guy from Norway, he was so, I don't know, there's something about him, but he was, he, he's a really good salesman himself, but he was just selling this idea of coming to Norway. He's like, Oh, it's a, a very rich country. It's beautiful. Um, there's a lot of oil money, you know, the, the, the standard of living is really high. There's no events, no event company here. It's an untapped market. And I'm like, okay, yeah, this, this is exciting. Let's, let's start something new. So literally like in less than a week, I just packed my bags and, and, and flew down there and, uh, him and a couple of guys from the team picked me up at the airport and um, yeah, that's that's kind of how the story goes with with me moving moving to Norway for the first time was in 2010. Is because of this uh, crazy uh, Norwegian guy that that I met at a Tony Robbins event. So um, that's like a really fascinating story. Um, thank you for sharing this. And uh, one other thing which I wanted to mention to you um, about my learning Norwegian, my best first teachers were actually twins. Um, they were two girls I was actually out pairing for, and they were four years old, and they actually shared all their, like, you know, little children's books with me. Oh, yeah. And I started to, like, you know, word by word, like, kind of testing it and so on. And I remember we were walking outside one day, and one of them wanted to go straight, and one of them wanted to go to the right. And I had like zero Norwegian in the beginning. So I had to like figure out how to construct a sentence and say that we needed to go to the left, you know. Oh. And uh, I couldn't figure it out, even though I had my thick uh, dictionary at the time with me. And so we went first a little bit straight and then a little bit 
right and then we turned and went my way so it was like kind of okay everyone gets their direction <laughs> and then we go and um what's really good with children is that they have no judgments they are really like supportive you know even when you start to like pronounce the words and so on it's uh, really cool so you already have your teacher there so you should just like uh, listen to him really carefully yeah that's some good advice and and i i do read a lot of little children Norwegian books to him. So I think that that helps too. Yeah, <laughs> That's great okay. advice. You're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. Great practice. And I'm, I'm so fascinated by your, you know, uh, spirit of uh, getting this call and challenge and just jumping on board. And basically he was the only person you knew in Norway, but you just trusted the call and you had that lucrative, you know, opportunity here in San Diego and, and you just felt like, okay, my 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 spirit is calling. Norway is calling. Let's go. Yeah. And then you jumped in. Yeah. Trusting that. It was, I don't know what it was. But he again, he was a good salesman on on the uh, you know, building this business with them. And 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 I just I don't know, I was single and I was young and it was it just seemed like such a fun adventure. And and so you know, I I, I did it. I did it and it was it was scary, but um it was it was really cool that that um, I look back now and it's like wow I can't believe I did that, um, but it was just the timing I could have I could have done that um, I didn't have anything going on in, in in Canada at that point and I was like okay let's let's do this so, um, yeah. and and I guess you know I was very op- optimistic he he's a very optimistic guy so he really painted this picture of how we were going to be able to you know bring Tony Robbins to Norway and and do all these big things and make lots of money. And it, that really kind of, you know, excited me, the fact that it was in an untapped market. And I had a lot of ex, uh, success in Canada with, with these events. So I was thinking to myself that we can replicate that in, in, um, in Norway. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the reality hit, what happened? Did it go as you planned or <laughs> and God had other plans? <laughs> Yeah, no, it didn't, it didn't go as, as what, you know, what I thought it would, um, we got there and, um, you know, yes, Norway had an untapped market. There was no event company, but there was also this negative, you know, connotation about personal development and leadership events in Norway at the time, people would call it hallelujah events. And the other problem was the program that we were putting on. We were bringing in a, a number of no-name speakers that no one knew in Norway. Where I was used to selling, you know, only the biggest names like Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, and Tony Robbins, and all these, you know, superstars. Where I literally would call, I could call anyone and say, hey, "We're bringing Bill Clinton, you know, to Toronto on this date," and people buy tickets. And I thought, okay, I could do the same thing in in Norway, and it would work. Um, but, uh, once I started trying to, to reach out to people and calling them and telling them about the event, um, that we were putting on and, and the speakers that we were bringing in that no one knew who they were, they were not, there were no names, there are no name speakers anywhere. Um, but especially in Norway, um, yeah, it, it kind of put it this way. I've never been rejected so much in my life. And the other thing too, was I was speaking, I only spoke English and, Norway in 2010, um, I live here now and most people speak English and they don't mind speaking English, but back then 
it just, it, it seemed a little different. People were not as friendly when you were cold calling them in, in English. And I remember <laughs> um, butchering all the Norwegian names. So here I am cold calling uh, someone. Uh, and I guess you, a popular name in Norway is Tona, right? Tona, mm-hmm. spelled T-O-N-E. Tona. Yeah. yeah. And Tona. me as a Canadian, I would be calling up, hi, is Tone there? <laughs> <laughs> I completely butcher their names with, you know, because I didn't understand that the the E on the end was like, you know, Mm -hmm. like an uh, right. So I, I, you know, I, it was, it was tough. It was really tough. I, again, I got rejected so many times. Like I was, I've never been rejected so many times in my life. I don't think it's possible to get rejected as much as me. So how did you deal with that rejection? I mean, this is, I know from doing sales stuff myself also, it's its a really good way to um, grow your sales muscle. But um, is there something you did specifically to like um, move through it and, you know, kind of like get to the next stage? What did you do? Yeah, it was, it was tough because we were getting some sales training. And, and, and so, yeah, I had to grow as, as a sales person it wasn't like what I thought sales was which was before it was just me calling up people and saying we're bringing Bill Clinton buy tickets and people would buy I had to you know I I had to do a lot of things I had to you know put myself out there go to meetings set up meetings I had to do a lot of different things um, to put myself out there Um, I think in the end what what we realized and we managed to put on the event and sell tickets. So it's not like I didn't sell any tickets at all. We, we you know, we, we put on an event with a few hundred people and I, I sold, you know, a good number of those tickets. But um, I guess one of the things was just being really persistent and, and really resilient um, to, you know, to, to make sure, you know, I kept trying. I never gave up for those six months. Um. I had to grow as a salesperson. And um, the other thing was, I, I also realized that you can't just sometimes, you know, if you have the wrong program or the wrong product, you're, you're selling something that's just doesn't make sense or doesn't work. Sometimes you just have to chalk it up to not you as a salesperson, but, you know, the program that, that you're selling. And, and, and so you have to you know, that's where the, the the business has to kind of figure out, okay, we're doing something wrong here with, with the program and what we're offering. Very crucial to figure out, like, uh, are we offering what people need right now? Right. And do we have the package what they need right now? So um, you had another really amazing experience with that when you went back to Canada to help your dad with um, a bar there. And I liked how you, maybe you can actually even go into more details here, how you basically jumped in, had no idea how to like, you know, bring it out. And you were trying so many things. And what was that learning experience? Like, can you mention some of the things you did and what was the final result? Uh, How did you find the solution? Because I think so many entrepreneurs, once we start, we just have the, this idea, oh, I'm going to do this or that. And then comes out like, wow, there is no market or no one is actually really resonating. And then just something random happens and kaboom, that's your solution. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So when I took over the bar, um, I again, I didn't have any experience. Um, 
in the, the hospitality or the bar or the restaurant, but I loved going to bars and restaurants. So it was something that I was really excited to do. And when I came in there, the place was, the place has been struggling for years, many years. Um, it was kind of an old timer dive bar. Um, it hasn't been renovated. It was, it, we had a clientele that was aging and dying. Um, so it was really, really struggling. And um, I started working there, just kind of getting to know and understand the, you know, the business a little bit and understanding the clientele and, and the neighborhood. Um, and yeah, it was tough to start, but I was like, okay, we can't just keep doing what we're doing because it's, it's, it's not working. We're getting the same people in and there's not many of them and they're aging and they're, and, and we, we need to do something to get people in. So we started, I, I, okay, let's try this. So we got, we, we invested in some new TVs. Let's make it a sports bar. So we, we brought in some brand new TVs and um, we still didn't get anyone out. People didn't come to watch sports. Um, I started running dart leagues and pool leagues, billiard leagues, and it was just the same people, the same regulars playing in them. Um, ran some golf tournaments. Um, you know, I'd get my odd, the odd friend out, personal friend out, but I realized, okay, my friends are kind of getting in that age where they're starting to, to start families and stuff. They can't be going out every night and drinking and supporting my, my, my bar. I, I can't do that to them and I can't expect them to come. So that didn't work. Um, I tried karaoke, like people, like sometimes regulars or people, customers would come in and be like, okay, well, you know, if, if you did this, you know, I'd come out and bring my friends and I'm like, okay. So I try that and you know, it, it, it didn't work. So karaoke was one of the things I tried. We tried some themed parties, which were good once in a while, but you can't do them consistently. Um, I brought DJs in, um, the DJ that when we brought DJs in, sometimes it didn't bring the best crowd in. Um, and then um, we even tried something called sexy bingo. You know what that is? No. Can okay. You tell me? So it, it, it's bingo where instead of winning money, you win sex toys. Oh, it's wow. <laughs> very original. <laughs> yeah. So we, we tried that out. We did that a few times. It was fun, but it, it didn't really do too well. Um, and then, um, and then one day, um, this guy came in and he said, Hey, I would like to bring my, my band in to play at your place. And, um, you know, if you, if, if my band plays, I could bring all my friends out. And he was in his, probably in his thirties. I was like, okay, why not? Like I was at that point where I was willing to try anything. I, I just wanted to get people in. I get excited when new, new customers, people that I didn't recognize would come to the bar because it it was like a dive bar where it would just be people like a lot of people would walk by the place and, and, and cross the street because they were scared of it. That's, that's what it was. Like only people that knew the place would come in. So I was like, okay, let's, you know, let's try it out. So this band came in and um, they played and they're awful, God awful, but they brought all their friends out and all their friends were, you know, younger people in their thirties and, like a mix between male and females, which we didn't get many females into this dive bar before. So it, it was nice to get, you know, people of the opposite sex in and they're dancing and they're drinking, they're having a good time. And, and, you know, it was a good, good number of people out and the sales were great. So I was like, wow, that worked. Okay. So then from there, I ended up booking 
another band and it was another good night. And, and so I started booking bands um, once in a while. It started off maybe once a month and then eventually was once, you know, every two weeks and then once a week and then every weekend. And then finally, I think I got up to four times a week and then I was like, okay, it's time to go all in. And um, from there, created a website, started selling tickets from the website. So I kind of utilized my skills of selling tickets for personal development events and created that with um, the website and, and, and selling tickets to, to concerts, to shows. And so it took a couple of years, but, you know, after about three or four years, we were doing shows pretty consistently, about five to seven times a week. And, um, and yeah, it just, it, it kind of, it, so by doing that, like now, not only like, are we getting the bands and their client and their fans coming out? Um, but now it became more of a destination place in, in Toronto. People knew the Linsmore Tavern as a live music venue, a place to see a good band. And as I got more experienced and, 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 and got to know more of the bands, I was getting better accent. And, and then, you know, then I started becoming kind of snobby with the bands that I was booking. Like now I'm not booking these, like that first band that I booked, I would never book them again on a Friday or Saturday night because now I have this clientele that are coming in every Friday and Saturday expecting to see the best bands out there and they're paying money to see these bands. So now I had to, you know, really you know, step it up and, and, and make sure that the entertainment was top notch. And so, you know, I created themed nights. So every Sunday I have something called blues Sundays where we, we would bring in, you know, some of the best blues musicians in Canada to play uh, Tuesday night. We'd have an indie night where we bring in three different indie bands um, to play. Um, uh, you know, and then Friday and Saturday we do tribute nights where we bring in these world-class tribute bands Um uh, so it, it was, it was, it, you know, it, it took a little bit of time, but it, it took off and it was, it was really, uh, it, you know, there was a bit of a slow progression, but, um, I'm, I'm glad that, that we did it. And, and, you know, we've been going pretty strong, um, you know, running live music as a live music venue in Toronto for qu quite a few years now. Yeah, what's really fascinating with this story and connected to the podcast team also like abundance in action and, and you know, as I was starting with the talents and treasures inside. So basically in that process of uh, being an entrepreneur, trying to figure out things, you were also very like uh, curious, exploring, discovering these different things. And this is one thing I think so many people, when they start to dive into entrepreneurship, they are maybe scared or they are like expecting that things will like kind of work out right the first trial. And then when it doesn't, they just kind of uh, give up too early. So it, for you, it took like quite many like rounds till you figured out like, oh, this is working. And then you started to build on that. So is there something you would say to encourage entrepreneurs who are starting up and are really stuck in the beginning, like how to make this thing work, uh, how to keep it going? What would you say to them? Yeah, I think my biggest um, um, suggestion would be learn from your mistakes. So I learned, like I tried a lot of different things and I realized, okay, this isn't working. So let's try something new. And I was willing to try anything. 
to, to, to make this a success. And it took probably 10 or 12, like 10 to 12 things. I didn't even list all the stuff that I tried um, before I kind of found my niche. So I would say, learn, learn from your mistakes. If something's not working, um, make adjustments. And it, it, it doesn't mean give up on it, on that specific thing, but don't do the same thing twice if it, did, if it doesn't work. So make, make the proper adjustments. And if it's not, you know, if it's not going to work completely, then I would say, you know, shift towards something else. Yeah, it's such a crucial uh, tip. And we had another call. I was asking your um, ideas about one of the bigger events I'm putting together. And you said it so well, like, even if it doesn't work out perfect this time, you've learned, you know, like what to do different next time. And it just took so much pressure off myself. I realized like how as an entrepreneur, of course, I want to do the best. I want to offer the best. And, you know, life just has sometimes like its own kind of ways to uh, do things. So so that's like a really good uh, tip. So um, another thing which I wanted to ask. So um, as you were working so closely with Tony Robbins, did you have like some personal encounters with him? How, how did you experience him as a person? Well, I, I didn't work as closely with him. I, so Tony had his business in, in, in San Diego. Whenever Tony would do events in Canada, it was through my company. So I did meet him a couple of times and he was, um, he's big. <laughs> Number one, he's really big. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, he's, he's, he's larger than life. Really. That's, that's what he was. And one of my uh, friends, um, Emily, who's just a, an amazing inspiration. She's from Edmonton. She's got cerebral palsy and, and Tony Robbins is her hero. And, um, I managed to get her, um, her goal was to meet Tony and I managed to bring her backstage to meet Tony. And Tony was really, really nice to her and really good, good to her. And, um, they they ended up connecting a few other times too. Every time Tony sees her, he he you know he points her out and gives her a hug, and it, it's really cool. So yeah, Tony's Tony Tony's a good guy. Yeah. And then a question also, like I wonder that sometimes you do you think that salesman is just someone who is born as a salesman with the talents? It's just kind of you know you have to just fine tune it, or is it someone you can become? What do you think? Um. Well, in my case, personally, I could tell you my story. I definitely wasn't born as a salesman. Um, when I first started, um, like my, my first job right out of university was with this company called Power Thin. I had no experience with sales. Um, I was really cocky coming in. I, I did the job interview. I didn't even know what the business was about. And, and somehow they hired me. And really early on. So the first thing they had me do was watch like their events and stuff. So I, they put me in a room. I watched a bunch of events of, of theirs and I was like, wow, there's some really cool speakers. So I, I was getting into this. And then they partnered me up with um, uh, like one of their senior salesperson. His name was Matthew. So I would sit there with Matthew and I'd listen in on, on his phone calls. And so I'd sit there and listen in on his phone calls. Um, they had me do it for a couple of weeks and I remember the first day I, I sat in with Matthew, he just made it look so easy. It was so effortless for him. And it was just sale after sale after sale. And after, at the end of the day, I think he sold about $10,000. And I asked him, hey, Matthew, what'd you make today? It looked like he did pretty good. And he was so nonchalantly, yeah, you know, 10% of 10,000, I made $1,000 today. And I was like, $1,000? I was like 24 right out of university. And I was like, 
A thousand dollars. Okay. I can't wait to do this. So I was really, really cocky. I thought I'd, I, you know, I could do this no problem. And then after two weeks of sitting there and, and watching Matthew, finally the boss, like we had like this instant messenger thing on, on, on Matthew's computer and the boss wrote in, okay, let Ryan take this next inbound call. So the call comes in and this is me. Uh, thank you for calling the power within Ryan speaking. How can I help you? And then the person says, Oh, I'd like to more information about the uh, event with Tony Robbins in Toronto. And then this is me. Uh, I, I completely froze. I couldn't say anything. And like after about 10 seconds of me, like completely freezing, Matthew had to jump in and then save the, save the call. And of, clo- of course, close the sale and then I remember my boss writing in on the instant messenger saying, okay, he's not ready. Take him off the phones. And I was like, oh, I was completely dejected. I was like, oh my God. All of a sudden I was like, I was so cocky. And then it just kind of brought me down to earth. And, and so then after the next, for the next two months, my boss would not let me go on the call on, on the phones at all. I had to sit there and watch Matthew and listen to him for two months straight. And like each day I was thinking, okay, I can't do this. This isn't meant for me. Like my confidence was so low and I just, you know, I I kept thinking, I, you know, I can't do this. I I should quit. Um, This isn't for me. And then after two months, like I was getting paid, he was paying me a salary. So I I pretty much did two weeks of, of, of kind of training and then another, so almost three months I was getting paid to literally do nothing. And I, 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 I was thinking to myself, like, he's going to fire me. I'm not bringing anything to the table. He hired two other salespeople around the same time that they hired me and they got it. They, you know, they were already on the phones making sales. I'm just sitting there and listening and and doing nothing. And then finally, my boss was like one, one day after the two months was like, okay, Ryan, tomorrow you're going to sit at your own desk and you're going to have to do calls. So I went home that night and I was thinking, okay, it's make it or break it. I better you know, I, I, I better, I better like get it together. Also I'm going to get fired. So then, um, then that first call happens the next day. And I remember making, it was, I had to do an outbound call, like a courtesy call kind of telling uh, like a previous client that we're coming back to their city and we're bringing in, um, a number of speakers. So I make the call, I follow the script. We had a script at the time on the piece of paper and, the script kind of like I followed it perfectly and the way the script worked was, uh, okay, here, I'll, I'll do an example of it. Hi, it's Ryan calling from the power within. Uh, I just wanted to give you a quick courtesy call to let you know that, uh, the power within we're returning to, uh, Vancouver on whatever date it is. And we're bringing with us Tony Robbins. You attended our previous event back in 2006. Um, can you tell me who was your favorite speaker at that event? So I followed that script. And then what happens when, when I ask them who my favorites, who their favorite speaker is, then it gets them kind of in that mode of remembering that event. And then they answer the question, it gets them talking. So that's what that script did. And so when I did that, I did that perfectly. And then the person answered and we just had a full on conversation for like an hour. And I was like talking to the person, like we're best friends and getting to know their life and, and everything and, and, and getting to, you know, like going deep with the person for about an hour. And then finally the call ended and 
I felt good about myself. As each minute went on, I felt more confidence in, in myself with the call because it was just like a conversation with a friend. And finally, at the end of the call, um, I looked up and my boss, who was who was a bit of a hard ass, actually, he, he just looked over at me and said, gave me the thumbs up and said, way to go, Mangano. And then I look over at Matthew and he goes, good job, Mangano. Did, did you close the sale? And I'm like, Oh no, I knew I forgot something. So I didn't even, I didn't even try to, to close the sale on the person, but it didn't matter that phone call. Like that was the game changer for me because it, it allowed me to be comfortable with people on the call. And it, it made me realize, okay, this isn't scary. And um, from there, you know, I've managed to have like a 14 year career in sales because I was able to just get through that call and, and, and treat it like a conversation with a friend. So to answer your question, it, you know, you're definitely, I, I don't believe that you're born as a salespeople. Yes. Some people might be, I guess, better at it. Like early on, you can definitely learn how to be a good one. Uh, what would you say some uh, key um, elements are when you start to talk to strangers like that? Is there something which would make you feel more at ease? Um, uh, what would you suggest? Like you discovered like, okay, I can just have this conversation. It makes me feel comfortable. Where the other keys which you discovered, like which made it a success for you and the person on the other side? I think just being a good listener. Um, I think the key really is just to get the other person talking really early on. If you call someone and you just blab on and blab on, or if you're doing a discovery call and you're just blabbing on, um, you, you don't build that rapport. You don't learn about the person. So I, I really think the key is not to talk too much early on uh, in, in, in the conversation. Um, I think just kind of asking and, and, and listening and, and learning about the person is, is, is the best way to go about building that rapport with, uh, with the person on the other line. Yeah, I so agree. Um, so many times um, people, especially coaching, uh, uh, work with people, coaches also forget that um, it's not their show. It's actually the client who is the yeah. star in a way. And if you're there and let them guide you, then you can actually help them even more because you they will unfold and they will show like where things are going and how things are. So, so really cool. So now one other thing what happened to you was also, you know, um, you were put onto the spot as I understand, like a little kind of maybe a little forceful when your girlfriend at the time was saying like, hey, like, I don't want this 40 hour crazy work. Like, you know, I want to have a life. And then she moved back to Norway and then you're like, OK, I probably need to make some changes. And so you basically started to do your um, and also, you know, lead and uh, run your business remotely. And that's one of the parts which Eric is also talking a lot, the business freedom uh, part. So can you tell a little bit um, how that went and how did you manage? Because now you have done it for quite a while remotely, right? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, it was probably the best thing that ever happened to me was was moving back to Norway in, in, in 2015. Um, I was the exact opposite of... I had the exact opposite of business freedom. I was literally doing everything at, at that bar. I was bartending. I was busboy. I was cleaner. I was landlord. 
I was uh, doorman. I was um, doing running the social media, promoting, booking, everything. So people talk about 40-hour work week. I was doing 40-hour weekends. So just on the weekends. And then I would put in, you know, a lot of hours during the week. I was constantly on call and it wasn't, it was wrong. It was not the right lifestyle to live. Um, and, 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 and so, yeah, she wanted, uh, to move back to Norway and, um, it wasn't like she just got up and packed her bags and moved back to something we discussed. Right. So we planned it out, um, and took, you know, we planned it about six to eight months before we, we, we moved back, but we just had to set up some systems at the bar, um, where we, and we had to hire some new people. Um, and, and, and that's what we did. And then when I moved to, to Norway, I continued with, um, booking all the bands, uh, the social media, you know, because all that stuff I could just do from, from my computer, I already built up, I already knew so many people and so many different bands, uh, and, and musicians and, and it, it became easy. So I, you know, there's certain bands I'm like, okay, I know I can book this band six times a year. And then there's some bands once or twice a year. And, and, and bands started coming to like, because we were, you know, a destination place and, and we had a good, you know, a good following bands were coming, coming to me and I, I didn't have to see them. I can see, you know, you can see the videos of the bands, you know, on YouTube or on their websites um, to know if, if, you know, if they're good. And, and, and so, yeah, I've been able to, since 2015, I've been able to, to, to do all the bookings. I haven't stepped foot in the bar and, um, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been good and it's worked out. I actually think it's worked better, uh, me being away because when I was hands-on, I couldn't focus as much on the promotion, the social media, the bookings, you know, I was doing all the other stuff at the bar. And, and so, um, so yeah, it, you know, it, it's interesting because before I started working with Eric and business freedom, I was the exact opposite of business freedom. So when I do have, you know, when I did talk to people about business freedom and, and doing discovery calls, I do sometimes tell the story. Like I, I know what it's like not to have business freedom and it, and it, it's bad. Like you have no life at all. And it, and, and it, and it ends up affecting all the other areas of your life too. Yeah. So I couldn't, ima- I couldn't imagine doing what I was doing with the family, with kids. It was good. It, you know, it was good that we, we got up and left. I, um, I just did another podcast with um, one really successful real, real estate investor. And he said also that one of the first things he learned was that um, as a landlord, first of all, it was good not to live on the property if possible and then secondly, that he had to have someone else manage, you know, um, getting all the rents like sorted out and so on. And uh, definitely not kind of, you know, rent your places to friends or, you know, that kind yeah. of messed things up. So um, these are really good points, which you say. And also as a business owner uh, myself, I think um, it's also kind of like a, wrong picture people sell or think about you know having a business it's like oh then i have my own hours and i'll just like work like four hours a day and or maybe only like four days and then the reality is once they jump in with everything they have it's actually as you said it can be more than eight hours per day and then not only like five uh, days per week but you know you you may stretch it like you know uh, over time many many days so so that's a really good point um 
So now, as you put that business freedom into works and you started to also work more with Eric, it means uh, how has that experience been? Um, you are you are very closely like working with him now. And I even approached you and I said, like, I totally understand if you're like exclusively working with <laughs> kind of like exclusive marriage with <laughs> Eric, you know, <laughs> how has that been, that cooperation and work, working with him? It's it's honestly like I have the best job and I love doing what I do. Um, Eric is a great guy to work for. Um, yeah, I, technically, I'm not exclude like. I could work for other people, but I just, I, you know, it's, it's, it's hard going like to me, I think Eric's the best speaker in the world. So it's hard for like going from the best speaker in the world to, you know, anyone else. Um, but yeah, no, he's a great guy. I, you know, I've, I've, I've got to know him. Um, I, the first event that I worked um, with when I moved back in 2015 uh, was with uh, when I moved back and I reconnected with um my old business partner in, in, in Norway, um, he was putting on events in, in, in Scandinavia. And the first event I worked was, was one of Eric's events called master the stage effect. And I never heard of Eric before. And then I saw him speak and I was like, I was blown away. I thought he was the best speaker I've seen since Tony Robbins. Now that was 2015. Now that I've worked with them for the last six years, I think he's better than Tony. But when I saw him speak, I was like, I, I was like, I want to work with this guy. There's something special about him. And, and he was a really good guy, too, really cool guy when, when I met him too. So it, it, it's it been really cool to work with him and kind of, you know, I've, I've been part of something that's been growing consistently for, for six years. And um, it's really been a lot of fun. It's, it's amazing. And um, one of the, the best parts about it is that um, like, I, I, I get to, I sell his programs, I sell his events and I get to sleep really good at night because I know what Eric does is going to help people. And he puts his heart and soul into, into these programs and these events. And so I sleep really good at night when, when, you know, when I'm selling events for $10,000 to people and because Eric, I know Eric, you know, Eric's got this, he's, he, he's so good at what he does and he really does care. And, and, and so our values really align and, um, it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's great to, to work for, for someone so good and, and, and so good at what he does and also someone that just cares, right? He, he, it's, it's, it's about getting results for his clients where, and unfortunately in the speaking industry, not, not, not every speaker is like that. So, and, uh, it's also because you have several programs, you are helping and supporting him with sales and stuff. So it's also, not just boring, you know, because it's like different kind of type of people which are attracted to different uh, things. So I was so lucky to also do the one talk workshop. So we talked just prior to that. And it was also like amazing, amazing people. And the way he does everything is, is really um, very like um, enthusiastic and inspiring um, in so many ways. And um so now, uh, when you think of um, uh, about the future, like, um, have you been thinking also where you see your future going with your sales work? Uh, what What is it like you have your own plans, own courses, classes you are kind of thinking of putting together? Because obviously you have so much knowledge about uh, selling. I would like to come to a class with you. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I've thought about it. Um... 
Yeah, and I, I really don't mind being in the kind of part of the team in the background and 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 and, and everything. I don't mind. I, I think at some point I will go that route where I, I will potentially maybe be the speaker or, or put out some programs and, and, and coaching. Um, one of the things I think I can really help people with is discovery calls. Um, I've done over a thousand of them in the last few years. And I, I feel like I've really, I just through trial and error, not trial and error, but I, I think I've really mastered it. I've, I've got a lot of experience with it. And I think um, I can really, um, I can really give people good, good tips on, on how to be successful with it. Um, but yeah, sales in general, I, I think I, you know, I got a lot of experience with it. And, and I think uh, at some point, um, maybe not in the not too distant future, I will be releasing some, some content and, and, and potentially some courses. So yeah. we'll keep you staying. We'll, we'll keep you, we'll keep you informed on that. <laughs> Yeah, and also in alignment with that, uh, we also thought that maybe our podcast listeners and viewers may get a little taster of it. Yeah, yeah, I think um, I think I could come up with something uh, for your listeners. It's just a, a little something. I think one of the important things with the discovery call is just kind of getting the opening. The opening of the call can really set the the standard. Um, for, for your, for the experience, for, for your, you know, for your client and, 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 and on the discovery call. So um, I think I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to come up with something for, for your listeners on how they can um, get through that opening bit. And it's not very hard to do. It's just something that I do that actually it's interesting because um, I was doing discovery calls a few years back and I was having good success with it, but then sometimes there was the odd call that I didn't do very well with it. And I remember my fiance, she was listening in and I, I, it was one of the calls that I did very poorly on. And I was like, ah, that, that one did not go good. And I'm like, what did I do wrong? And she's like, okay, well, you know, when you do things right, you know, you, you, you get, you know, you, you, you establish yourself and then you get the client talking right away. And on that call, you just started blabbing off. So I just kept talking. Right. So what happened was the client asked me a question and I just started talking. And the mistake that I made was I should have looking back and what she pointed out was that I should have kind of established myself saying, okay, I'm, I'm Ryan. And yes, I'll get to your questions. But before um, you ask me any questions. Why don't Why don't uh, you tell me a little bit about yourself? So if I just made that adjustment, then the call would have went a lot better. And 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 so when she pointed that out to me, I completely changed every single call that I do, discovery call that I do. And and you know that was the the one key thing that I was missing. So one of the things that I I will uh, come up with for your listeners is that starting point. I will. Uh, give you guys the, the, the trick to getting people um, to build that rapport right away with, with, uh, with your client on the discovery call. Yeah, it's kind of like similar to what Eric is saying about, you know, your uh, speech, you know, it's the hardest to take off. And then once you are in the air, your momentum is there. And then it's also the landing thing, which you have to work. So it's kind of similar to discovery call. Like, you know, you have to really know what you're doing. Yeah, the, the start is crucial. I think that's the most important thing. If, if you start off properly, then 
the rest of it will come. And the way that I, the way that I do my calls, um, it builds instant rapport right away. So yeah. it works. It works. <laughs> Very simple. Yep. Yeah. So um, is there something else you would like to say as a final thought or thoughts uh, for our listeners and viewers? So with this podcast, our aim is to inspire and motivate them to really, you know, dive deeper into their um, talents or maybe also hidden skills they don't even know. And we believe and we have experienced ourselves and many of the guests we have had here that once you really put them to work, it starts to actually serve you and also bring lots of abundance, not only financially, but also, you know, as relationships or possibilities or many other ways. Yeah, I think one of the things I just want to say is sometimes you just got to put yourself out there and take a chance. I look back at my life and I look at little decisions that I've made. So one of the decisions that I made that really changed the path of my life was I went to that Tony Robbins event in, in Vegas. If I didn't do that, then I would have never met that Norwegian promoter and I would have never moved to Norway. And then I would have never met my fiance. And then it would have never led me back to run, you know, so little decisions like that, you know, so if you put yourself out there and sometimes take chances, um, it, it can really change that direction and path in, in your path in life. So um, that would be my one suggestion is, you know, if you, if you have, um, if you're, lo- you're, you're kind of stuck, you don't know what to do. I would just put yourself out there, do something, go to some sort of event, go to some sort of take a vacation somewhere, do some networking, do something. You never know what's going to come from it. And sometimes nothing comes from it, but other times it could be a life-changing opportunity or moment for you. Yeah, I so like it. And without that choice, you wouldn't be also maybe dad. And also now you will have another child coming in. So yeah, it's like really amazing treasures waiting for us once we take the chance. So yes. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much, Ryan. It has been such a blast. Um, I always enjoy talking to you. I'm so glad I could be part of this little mini project to show the world who uh, you are and how amazing you are. So um, I'm so glad. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Crystal. I really enjoyed this. And and, and um, I think it's, I think what you're doing is great with this podcast. Um, you're a very good interview or viewer. I, lo- I love uh, all the questions that you asked me and uh, your research in it. it. It's it's really cool. So thank you again for this opportunity and, and this platform. Thank you. And to all of our listeners and viewers, please, as always, uh, like, share, subscribe. And if you have uh, some more questions or suggestions, always take contact with us. Our podcast is up on uh, Spotify, Google Play, uh, YouTube, uh, Podbean, and many other platforms and we also have facebook page abundance in action so check us out and as always the good stuff is best when you share it so thank you so much all the best and see you all soon bye